Castian and Laris are ready to put the Regency and their mission behind them. They visit Captain Abaro one more time so he can give them his best wishes. Castian, after a couple of days in hyperspace, you're in your quarters when you get a comm signal from Laris. Sir, we are about to drop out of hyperspace. I'm on my way. Castian stands up and moves out of his room and towards the cockpit. He enters it and takes a seat. All right, this is my favorite part. Laris doesn't say anything in acknowledgement as Laris goes through her usual motions and the ship drops out of hyperspace a short distance away from the Regency's asteroid base. Castian takes in a deep breath before mumbling. It'll be fine. I I already told them that we were done prior to taking this mission, so I'm just restating what I said earlier. We'll say our goodbyes and we'll be off. If I may ask, sir. Uh, Yes. Why are we returning at all if you have already informed them that you are no longer going to be part of their regency? Could we not move on? I want to end this properly. I told them I'd do one more mission for them, and we did. And when you're done with a mission, you go to the person and you explain how it went. I'm going to do that, and then we're going to leave. We're going to just finalize this. Make sure they know not to come looking for us or to to ask us for favors. I want to look Nabarro in the eyes and just tell him that this is the end of this relationship. That I cannot go along with his regency. Not in my current state. It'll be fine. And plus, that explosion on Yavin was pretty close to our ship. It wouldn't be bad if we had a safe place to look it over once. Indeed. And they might also offer us a few, I don't know, perks for helping them out, some free repair. So this is fine. I'll go there, we'll end it, and we'll leave all on good terms. Of course, sir. Feel free just to stay on the ship. I can't imagine this taking more than 30 minutes. Bone whistles at you. I know I shouldn't have just said it out loud, but I'm sure it will only take 30 minutes this time. You're so... (sighs) Particular sometimes, Bone. It's like you don't trust me. I can be diplomatic. Laris communicates with the landing bay on the asteroid base and receives clearance to land. Within a few minutes, you are in the landing bay on the asteroid base. Castian stands up and points towards Bone. All right, Bone. Start the timer. 30 minutes. He looks towards Laris. I'll be back, okay? And don't worry. I promise you. I'm not going to get desperate enough to put us in life and death situation just in order to run away from my emotions. Like, we we talked about this earlier. Castian looks away, mumbling. He can get emotional, and especially if Laris, he can actually, you know, open up with her. But, you know, time and place. Not in front of Bone. Not in front of Bone. And Castian moves out. He's heading down the hall and out the ramp. Captain Liam Nabarro is there to greet you himself. Oh, mm, you came down to meet me. Castian, it is good to see you. I heard from the preliminary reports that all went well. Castian looks away and rubs the back of his neck before saying, The mission was a success. I found all the rebels 
and sans one rebel cruiser, everything turned out... Well, fine. Fine, he nods his head. And I suppose that's all I wanted to report to you, Captain Nabarro. I told you I was good for one more mission, and... Well, here it is. I, um... I wish you all the luck with your regency. Thank you. Castian holds out a hand, waiting for a handshake. Captain Nabarro does take your hand. Are you leaving already? Could I not interest you in, in some food, drink, repairs? Castian rubs out his stubble before looking back towards the ship, which is looking a little worse for wear. They were close to that rebel explosion. Nothing to damage the internal parts, but there's definitely plating, hull plating that's scorched. I wouldn't mind fixing some of the damage that we took on our Yavin mission, if you would be so kind. Of course. And he leans back looking into the corridor behind him, snaps his fingers. Pips, Larrabee, why don't you speak with Captain Jane regarding what repairs this ship may require? All right. <laughs> hey, Pips, Larrabee. Castian nods towards the familiar faces as they round the corner. I hope all is uh, well since our little adventure on Dantooine. Yes, I'm glad to see that you're doing well, Castian. I take out my communicator. Captain Jane, I have two friendly faces that are asking to come aboard. They are here to help you with the repairs. Uh, Captain Nabarro has said they will repair some of the whole damage that we took on Yavin 4, if that's all right. Of course. Fantastic. How long do you think the repairs will take? Assuming peak efficiency of the base's repair crews, it could be done in as little as an hour. All right. Well, uh, tell Bone to stop the counter, because I've already told Captain Nabarro this would be our last mission. He's, uh... Invited me to grab a bite to eat, and I'll be back within an hour. Captain Nabarro nods. All right. Uh, Jane, I'll see you in that time. Please contact me if there's any trouble. Of course, sir. Castian nods his head and follows Captain Nabarro wherever he's going to take him. Captain Nabarro takes you to his private quarters, a suite actually here in the base. He takes you into what has been appointed as best as he can as a formal sitting room. Of course, this is a former mining station on the edge of the galaxy. So we're not talking the height of luxury, but he does have a formal table. There is a separate sitting area. There is his own personal computer terminal, which as he enters actually begins playing very light music, setting a very nice calming ambience. And already placed on that formal dining table is a small spread of refreshments. A couple bottles of fine wine and some light hors d'oeuvres. Oh, I see that you were um, already planning to wine and dine me. Nabarro shakes his head. Nonsense, Castian. This is merely my thanks for a job well done, a very fruitful partnership. I simply want to show my appreciation and my respect for you. Castian nods his head. Something feels weird about this, but Castian does take his seat. And after watching Nabarro pick up a few hors d'oeuvres to nibble on, Castian will follow suit, but not before. Is there something you're concerned about with the food and drink? Anytime someone is nice to Castian, 90% of the time, it turns out bad. So Castian is just being cautious. He told Laris that it, this was a simple in and out. He's being nice. He's being civil. He doesn't want to burn this bridge. 
but he doesn't want to take chances on, I don't know, that this guy decided to turn Castian in for the reward or this was some big con by Tremaine, whatever it could be. Nabarro sits at the head of the table, completely relaxed. He leans his chair back on two legs and kicks his feet up on the table as he bites into an apple. Castian will start nibbling on some of the hors d'oeuvres. He hasn't touched the wine yet. He's waiting for Nabarro to. And after a nice 10, 15 seconds of silence between the two of them, Castian clears his throat. I was able to speak with some of the rebels about, um, about what destroyed Alderaan. Indeed. They claimed that it was actually a battle station, a giant one that had the capability of blowing up planets. The name of the station was called a Death Star. We were very fortunate that they were able to uh, mount a defense and destroy it. Hmm. Lucky indeed. It might not actually be luck. No? I understand that this regency of yours it was created with the idea that Princess Leia would not be ready to lead Alderaan through such a traumatic event. That she needed someone a group of someones to help guide her until she was an appropriate age. That 18-year-olds don't win wars. But according to the rebels, your Princess Leia was instrumental to winning this battle, to defeating that weapon. Ah, uh, yes, you, you heard about the inspiring speeches. No, she was captured. She was tortured by Darth Vader himself. She smuggled the Death Star plans to the rebels. Found the pilot, apparently, that blew it up. All I'm saying is, Captain Nabarro, I think that she might be exactly what Alderaan needs. Exactly what you are looking for. To lead Alderaan into <sighs> finding justice. Justice, Nabarro muses. He takes a crisp bite of his apple. Justice. What authority can hold a power such as those who could create this Death Star to justice? There will be no justice for the genocide of Alderaan. I, it was perhaps not the best word, but... She, the girl, is at best a puppet. She was tortured, you say? That does not sound like someone in the right sane state of mind who can be trusted to lead armies. She has the, the Chandrillan as, as the, the actual leader, and the Chandrillans are very well known for being an ineffectual people when it comes to arms. In an effectual people that comes to arms, they are at least fighting and trying to bring together a group, a galaxy, in order to fight and create an authority to hold the Empire and the Emperor accountable for what they did to Alderaan. Oh, and bring back the Republic? We saw how effective that ruling body was. Oh, yeah, I don't remember the Republic destroying any planets. They simply did not have a chance. 
the Republic couldn't see beyond the ends of their own noses. They had no bearing, no thought for anybody who might not want to sniff their glorious asses. Castian shakes his head before setting down the small cookie he had picked up. I am not saying that the Republic was perfect. Trust me, I was around during the Republic. I saw what sort of allies they used, but we cannot judge an entire concept by an execution. Now, the Republic itself was about democracy, about giving everyone a a voice, and yes, it got corrupted, but perhaps that's why Princess Leia and Mon Mothma are instrumental The Republic is no more. It was destroyed. No, it morphed into the Empire. But from the ashes of the Empire, once it's defeated, something better can form. A new Republic. A new hope. New justice. How many Alderaanians do you think are still alive that weren't on that planet? Our best guess is about a billion. You are scattered? And you are all angry, and I get that. You seem awfully concerned about your princess and her sway on your people. You're both fighting the same battle. The only difference is you think that the Senate, the old Senate, is the key to keeping the Empire in check. But... How long will it take until that, that somebody else comes along with honeyed words who slowly take away the Senate's power again? Do you think it is a coincidence that once the Senate was disbanded, that is when this Death Star was able to be created? A Death Star of that size isn't created after a few weeks of not holding a Senate. I can guarantee you, from my ISB days, that there was whispers of a weapon long ago, several years ago. Now, I never knew it could do this. Honestly, it was missing shipments of dunium that I had been tracking. But that superweapon was created while the Senate sat there arguing rules and laws. Nabarro, I get it. I understand. Something has happened and you don't feel you have control. So you are taking the reins because that's what the Empire has taught us. That might makes right. That you grab onto something and you march forward. And if you're the best, if you're the smartest, you will succeed. And we shall. The Empire taught you that lesson. The same Empire that destroyed your planet. And so it is the only lesson that they are capable of learning themselves. We must speak to them in the language that they understand. Then then join the rebellion! Start and fight in the war! Don't be a branched ally hiding in an asteroid. The rebellion does not have the stomach to do what is necessary. Oh, and, and what are you willing to do, Nabarro? What can you do with, what, a hundred, three hundred stormtroopers, engineers, pilots that abandoned their post to the Empire? Because of the data that you gathered for us, 
We have the information that we need to bring the Empire to the bargaining table, to make them see the necessity of agreeing to our terms and ending this without any further bloodshed, without losing any more loyal Alderanians, without the rebels needing to go on any more suicide missions. Okay. Oh, Nabarro, if you're thinking that you can negotiate or force a deal with the Emperor or Darth Vader or the Moths, you are mistaken. What about an Inquisitor? Cassian blinks before straightening up slowly. An Inquisitor? What are you getting at? Pref's Belt Fleet Camp Naval Academy. Their graduation day is coming up. Very capable class. Impressive collection of dignitaries are coming to welcome the graduates and give posthumous honors to their most prominent alumni, Grand Moff Tarkin. To convey these honors, alongside two Grand Admirals, the commencement speaker is one Antinus Tremaine. I believe you know him? Castian is silent for a long time. He doesn't even remember when he finally is sitting down at his chair. But I understand you've has said that this is this was your last mission with us, the last that you wanted to do with us, and truly I respect that decision. I believe the repairs to your ship have been completed in a record time, so if you wish to go back and join your captain. No, no, no. What are you planning? Are you planning an assault on a military planet? Your people will be wiped out, regardless of the target. Are you mad? My madness or not is no concern of anybody who does not wish to work alongside the Regency. I am telling you, regardless of what bait you throw at me, that this is a suicide mission. You are trying... Have you ever been to a commencement? Of course you have. There is going to be planetary defenses. There are going to be a number of, 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 of Imperial Star Destroyers. There's no way you're slipping into something like that. Especially with the anger the Empire is trying to, to tap down from the alternate stories being leaked about Alderaan's destruction. Is this concern? Is this a second rallying cry to join our cause? I'm not joining your cause. You are going to get your people killed. This is vengeance you're following. And vengeance will only lead you until your very last breath. It is not a guide for the future. I am ready to take my last breath in the name of vengeance for Alderaan. Castian looks away before just shaking his head. He stands up before looking back towards Nabarro. I want to follow you. There's a big part of me whispering that I could feel the blood draining from Tremaine's face. That you're almost insane enough to make this work. But that's the dark side whispering to me. You have no excuse. And Castian stands up and throws down his napkin onto the table. Good luck. You'll need it. Please give my regards to Captain... And he pauses. Jane, for me. He nods his head. And Castian is walking out. 
just shaken, angry, disappointed. But there's also a part of him that's relieved. That even with the allure of killing Tremaine, Castian was able to follow through with what he told Laris. That he can't fight this war, not in his current state. So Castian is just storming towards the elevator, and then when he gets there, heading up towards the docking bay. I'm flipping a destiny point. Do I know why? No, you do not. I'll accept it. As the door hisses open at the docking bay, as you approach, approaching from the other side are Pips and Larrabee. They don't acknowledge you as they walk past. Castian opens his mouth to say something, but as they just brush past him, he has a sense that Nabarro most likely spoke to them. But as the door to the elevator closes, he does call over his shoulder. May the force be with you. There's no response. Castian's moving to his vessel and up the ramp. Jane? Yes, sir. She is at a terminal near the ramp. Did they fix all the repairs? Yes, sir. Well, record time. <laughs> you know, they asked. They have a suicide mission. They're going to attack Press Belt. There's a commencement there. Some class is graduating, and it's... It's attracted a lot of old faces, old memories. But I told him that we're not taking part in this suicide mission. So let's, uh... Let's just get off this rock. Fly away. And once we're out of sight, we will decide where we want to jump to. Of course, sir. And Castian is just going to go into the cockpit and sit down and just rub at his face, annoyed. Laris is close behind you. She sits down at the pilot's console and inputs the coordinates. She communicates briefly with the landing bay crew to get clearance to take off. Castian watches her take off. And like I said, we're just flying away. That's how much Castian wants to get out of here. He doesn't want to wait and debate on the asteroid where they want to go. They're just leaving it. Mm -hmm. And after five, ten minutes of what I assume is silence, Castian just finally sits up. Pref spelt. Sir? I'm going to go to cargo, see if there's anything left in the interceptor's computer, see if there's anything I could find on Press Belt. We can at least send them whatever information we have on the planet. Maybe they'll get lucky, but that's all. Is that okay? Of course, sir. Okay. Castian stands up and he is marching to the cargo bay, mostly angry now at himself for being kind of sucked back in, but no, he's just going to get see if there's any information on the old Inquisitor's TIE fighter, and if there is... They'll transmit it towards the asteroid and leave. As you're approaching the cargo bay, you hear a knocking from within the wall. Castian pauses. A clattering. He narrows his eyes before finally turning his head towards the wall panel. He's going to try to see if he can open it up. Oh, it's easy enough for you to open up. In fact, it looks like the screws are loose. He opens it up. And out tumbles with a crash. Skitter. Skitter, what are you doing? Ah, sir, I am here to warn you that they have taken Captain Laris. Wait, wait, what? what? No, Laris is, she's flying the ship. How long has it been? What, what? The stormtroopers that came aboard that were ostensibly here in order to repair the ship, instead they took Laris. And how'd you end up behind the panel? 
I had already seen that the vile villains had short-circuited Bone's memory in order to incapacitate him. I knew that someone needed to be able to explain to you the very dire straits that we were in, so I hid myself, albeit perhaps too well. Castian blinks and says, Okay, where is Bone? Find Bone and make sure he's fine. And Castian is running back towards Laris. He rushes into the cockpit before saying, Laris, Laris. Yes, sir. I just found Skidder. He he just told me that you had been kidnapped by the stormtroopers that were brought on. Laris tilts her head. I have no recollection of that, and that sounds like a very traumatic experience that I would have retained memories of. But we have security footage. I want you to open it up. Laris accesses the security database. There are no records from the time that we landed on the asteroid base. So, but our security wasn't on? The system appears to have been wiped. What the hell? Laris, what happened when those people entered the vessel? She cants her head to the other side for a moment. The two troopers approached me. They said that they needed me to show them the most badly damaged systems. And then they said that the repairs were complete and they would be on their way. Okay, that is clearly a missing gap in time. That does appear to be correct. Okay, that's not, that's not good. Uh, Skitter! Bone! Did you find him? You hear the beeps of Bone at the same time that you hear the skittering, clattering footsteps of Skitter. Bone, Bone, are you all right? Do you remember what happened after those, we landed on the... No, no, I, I, okay, yes, great. So they came aboard and... Okay, am I the only one that acknowledges there is a gap in time there? They can't just fix the, the, the ship within a second. They erased your memory and they messed with Laris. My memory is intact, sir. What happened? The two troopers, they escorted Captain Laris off of the ship. Did they stun her? Did they drag her off? Did she follow them? She followed them willingly. Okay, so they must have needed you for something. Sir. It is possible that while they were able to disrupt my memory circuits, there could have been a backup, a security file, that is still saved within my memory cores. Your implant? Correct. Are you able to access it? Or I mean, if you're expecting me to open up your implant and find this hidden file, I assure you, I'm not ready for that sort of relationship. I believe, however, the situation requires you to do it, as unfortunately, Skitter may have the expertise, but he does not have the dexterity required. Ugh. Okay, set the ship on autopilot. I do not want them to see that we are stopped. Just keep on going straight and, and make sure the sensors are reading for anything that's following us or anything that's going to collide with us. Skitter, prepare the um, galley for this operation, I suppose. I shall. Boone, please assist me. Castian is starting to pace before mumbling. He invited me to dinner. They kept me there talking. They were trying to distract me. Damn Nabarro. I apologize, sir. No, no you have nothing to apologize for. I, I Once again, I... I stated very clearly that only assuming a top-tier repair team that the repairs could be done in an hour. We were not there for a full hour. I should have recognized that there was an error in the timekeeping. Nabarro made me angry. And, and because of that, I was just not thinking. Okay, come on. We're going to figure this out. Is everything set up in here? Yes, sir. All right. And Castian gingerly taking her arm and moving her towards the galley as if she was wounded. My locomotion has not been impaired. I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't like people. I don't like people messing with you. 
and Castian leads her to the galley, and he sits her down on one of the booths, and he climbs behind her, and he looks over to his left, and he sees that there are a number of tools that Skitter and Bone have prepared for him. All right. Let's open her up. So you are sitting behind Laris at one of the tables. You have a variety of tools next to you. Standing on the other side is Skitter, ready to lead you through the circuits. And connected through a wire is Bone, who is actually going to be able to project a hologram of anything that is found. All right. Castian is picking up one of the tools, taking a deep breath and mumbling... There is no emotion, there is peace. There is no ignorance, there is knowledge. Unless you're trying to figure out a cybernetic implant that is highly experimental and not even well documented because it is, well, a secret of the Empire. Then there's plenty of ignorance. We're going to do this as a series of three actions. Your first is going to be skullduggery, because you are essentially hacking into Laris's systems. The second is going to be computers. Fairly straightforward there. And the final one is going to be mechanics to make sure that everything goes back together properly. Castian is not known for his skullduggery, surprisingly. So what kind of bonuses am I getting with the help of Skitter? So I'm going to say Skitter does not actually have skullduggery either. So in that case, an assisted role where your assistant does not have the skill is a boost die. Okay. And this is going to be an average difficulty. There's not really any resistance. Laris isn't fighting you on this in any way. It's just bypassing the standard systems. Then I'm going to actually flip one destiny point in order to boost one of my greens. I got one success. Excellent. There's a bead of sweat already dripping down Castian's face as he slowly but surely cracks open the headband and bypasses the minimum security there using a series of uh, pins and placements where he's told to put them. All right, I think I have gone past the security. Um, let's make a note to upgrade her when he can. And now he moves on to the computer part. I can confirm, sir. You have accessed my memory systems. You are now able to find the files that would have been made as a backup. All right, let's uh, hope for the best here. And then Castian presses the tool against her implant. Now, what is your computers? Uh, Two green. Skitter definitely does have computers as a skill. So for an assisted check where somebody does have the skill, you use the best skill and the best characteristic. So with Skitter's abilities... You are upgraded instead of using two green, you'll have two yellow dice. This is going to be a little bit trickier, however, so this is still an average roll, but I'm going to throw in a setback die. I got one success, but three threats. Following Skitter's guidance, you manipulate the implant with the tools, and with a beep, you gain access to the security memory files. And a hologram actually pops up in front of Bone and begins to play. The perspective is strange. This isn't something that was recorded directly from Laris's point of view. It's not from her eyes. 
Uh, it's actually a camera that is implanted in the side of her implant. So it's just slightly disconcerting uh, seeing Pips and Larrabee looking not quite directly at the camera. Uh, it's also, of course, a very close-up shot of them. As the conversation begins normally, with them saying, as you had overheard, that they need to be shown what systems are in need of repair before Larrabee is actually the one that sees Bone and overloads his systems, shocking him and, of course, disrupting his memory files. Laris starts to resist, tries to fight back, but Pips gets in front of her and holds up a flashing light directly in front of Laris's eyes. The camera is completely overwhelmed for a moment with the bright, strobing light. It's impossible to see anything. And in fact, whatever this light source is emitting, it's more than just a visible light because the sound actually becomes muffled and distorted as it sounds like Pips is saying nonsense words. What is that, Bone? A disruptor, yeah. I, I, I've seen those work occasionally on cybernetics. They're, they're, they're specifically attuned. It's uploading visual stimuli in order to bombard the implant, but they would need to know what implant... And of course he would know what implant it is. He was a former ISB agent. So I'm assuming that she is disoriented right now, yes? Correct, sir. Castian just continues watching, trying to see if the effect eventually fixes itself. And after a few seconds... Pips removes the light. The sound takes another moment to catch up, so you don't hear what she said exactly to Laris, but Laris does walk back down the ramp with no hesitation. Hmm. They must have booted into her movement cortex. This is very disconcerting to experience. I'm sorry, Laris. We need to see what they were after. Why would they take you for 30 minutes and then return you, all the while repairing the ship so I wouldn't know? Laris is led to the Situation Room on the base. She's led to a terminal, and the screen is filled with equations. Math that is far beyond what you are capable of understanding, especially at first glance, Castian. What am I looking at? Astrometric calculations, sir. What are they trying to find? It appears to be coordinates, velocity, mass of a, a hyperdrive speeds. I mean, any computer could have done something along those lines. So he just continues watching her, confused why they would need Laris for this sort of astrometric calculation. While you can't understand the calculations themselves, you do see that Laris seems to be correcting them. Whatever they are for is for something that requires very precise details. I don't understand what any of this math means, but I'm starting to get a clear picture of what they wanted. Pref's belt. Castian looks towards Laris. The planetary system is Pref's belt. He mentioned that what I took from Dantooine was going to help them. The Whatever I had in that box, they I believe they had some sort of experimental engine and hyperdrive components probably on there. He's probably hoping to get onto the planet using some sort of backdoor, something that they couldn't calculate, unless they had someone with a very experimental cybernetic in order to help them. At the end of the recording, the calculations disappear from the screen. And it is now a 
model that is being shown, the result of the calculations. And you can very clearly see a planet and a ship. The ship is marked as moving in hyperspace. Until it's not. The ship then appears to exit hyperspace right on top of the planet. That's impossible. The gravitational pull of the planet would knock the ship out of hyperspace before it could slam into it. I don't believe it's hitting the planet, sir. They could be trying to come out of hyperspace behind the planetary shields. Can they even do that? Hypothetically, many things are possible. It has been theorized, but it would depend exactly on what the Empire was working on on Dantooine, and if they were able to implement the designs into their vessel. So they get through the planetary shields and attack from the atmosphere before the defenses can even be raised. Sir, Laris's head begins to twitch under your fingertips, and the holographic projection that Bone has begins to degrade in front of your very eyes. What's happening? I believe you have triggered a self-destruct mode. What? This is not a portion of my memory banks that you are supposed to have access to. I believe it would be in our best interests to end this situation now. And Castian is going to try to shut down the self-destruct sequence. All right. So this is going to be a mechanics role. This is our final role to get out of Laris's head. You are going to have a setback die to this because of the threats that you rolled earlier. And this is going to be a hard roll. Now, what is your mechanics? I know you're pretty good at it. One green, one yellow. With Skitter's help, you may upgrade that to two yellow. And using my last two destiny points, I'm going to give myself one more yellow. All right. One success, one threat. That success is all that you need in order to get Laris's security systems stabilized and to put everything back together as it should. However, there is no recording available. You have no proof of anything that, that you just witnessed. Laris, are you all right? Yes, sir. Why would I not be? I need you to get us back on that asteroid now. Is something wrong, sir? I need to talk to Captain Navarro. I don't like people messing with my friends, and I will explain on the way. I need you to just turn the ship around now and get us back on that station. Of course, sir. Castian is marching them back to the bridge, and he is sitting in his seat. And if they refuse our landing coordinates, I want you to get us on that asteroid. Understood, sir. Thank you. Laris returns to the cockpit and turns the ship around. You're maybe an hour away from the asteroid, traveling through normal space, so it is a long hour to journey back. Great. And Cassian's just glaring at the screen, that familiar anger just seeping into his right hand. And are you also explaining to Laris everything that happened? In vivid detail. And as the asteroid base comes into view on the screen, Laris begins contacting the landing bay. No response. She tries again. No response. Land. Sir, I must warn that the asteroid base most likely has a weapon system armed. Laris, I have complete confidence in your ability to get us on that asteroid base, just like you, I hope, have complete confidence that I will be teaching Captain Nabarro a very important lesson about personal space and privacy and body autonomy. Understood, sir. And Castian just straps in. 
With one success, Laris is going to be able to land the ship. The defense systems of the asteroid base are activated. Blaster turrets emerge from the surface and begin taking shots at the Howling Gundark. A couple of them sideswipe the ship. Things are sparking in the ship. The hull is getting all torched, but Laris brings the ship in for a very hard landing in the landing bay. And before she can even bring it down, the ramp is opening and Castian is jumping down and landing with his lightsaber out. And then he is marching just angrily towards the elevator. Where there is a small contingent of stormtroopers blocking your way. Castian pauses. I'm here to speak with Captain Navarro. We can't let you do that. Castian looks towards the stormtroopers and then Castian mumbles. I see. The only thing I have to say then is... <sighs> Skidda, target practice. And he's falling down as the turret of the Howling Gundark turns towards the stormtroopers. There's no more stormtroopers in your way. There's no door to the elevator. There, there's an empty shaft. And Castian nods his head and he just walks past the stormtroopers. A couple of them are still alive, but they are down for the count. And he just hops down the elevator shaft using uh, the force to uh, catch himself if he needs to. Perhaps surprisingly, perhaps not. After that initial group of stormtroopers met an untimely end, there are no further security measures taken against you. Castian's moving towards the situation room. Castian walks into the room. Again, his lightsaber is out, and he's just looking around for Nabarro. As the door opens, it appears that it's business as usual in the situation room. Nabarro looks up the picture of casual arrogance. Ah, Castian, I knew you wouldn't be able to stay away. You took Laris without her permission and used her as a tool. That is something that I will not let stand. Ah, so it is when something personally affects you that you are willing to go the extra mile. When it's one person, that is when the noble Castian Saya is going to get mad. I'm not here to talk philosophy with you. I know what you're planning. I saw it on the security logs you weren't able to erase from Captain Jane. You plan to bypass the shields of the planet via hyperspace. I'm guessing that's the trick you learned from what I stole from Dantooine. Send in a fleet of your ships, rain fire on the Academy in a blink of an eye before they could even react. It's still a suicide mission, Nabarro. Even with surprise, you'll be trapped within their shields, unable to escape. You might kill your targets, but at what cost? How many more Alderanians need to die? That would be quite brilliant, Castian. A fleet that jumps within a planetary shield to strike with no warning. It would be a fine vengeance for my people. But no, Castian. I have no fleet. No ship. No vessel. Nothing that could do that. A bold theory. 
but woefully inadequate. Nabarro stands up and he turns away from you. What we found on Dantooine wasn't how to get a ship through a planetary defense. It was how to get something far larger, just close enough. Nabarro nods his head and one of the soldiers reaches out to tap away at a console. Like an asteroid. And with one final stroke of the keys, the person reaches out and grabs what looks like a hyperdrive lever. He pulls it down, and suddenly you feel a shudder as the entire asteroid base shoots forward. Entering hyperspace. Castian stumbles as the asteroid enters hyperspace. He clearly wasn't expecting that. As you stumble, everyone in the room pulls out their blasters and aims them at you. There has to be at least two dozen of them. Captain Nabarro turns slowly back towards you, smiling. While we can't jump behind their shields, they will have little warning when this base exits hyperspace and slams into it. It won't be able to handle the destructive force which will result in the complete ignition of the entire planet's atmosphere. Nabarro holds out his hands. Let the galaxy witness the power of this fully operational... What did you call it, Castian? Ah. Death Star. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. One of them starts walking up to you and grabs the jacket that you're still wearing by the collar. I really wish you hadn't done that. Why? Grab my repulsor fist and smack him right in the face. Hello there, and welcome to Coruscant Nights. Coruscant Nights is an actual play RPG podcast set during the Clone Wars era of the Star Wars universe. On Coruscant Nights, our goal is to bring as many different voices to the table as we can. You sure got Val Yindo's family there, don't you? We do. Sure got Valiendo over a barrel. Uh, look, fellas, I, I don't know if you, you forgot your prescription lenses, but uh, clearly there's been some kind of mistake. I mean, th there's not much family resemblance here. Mando, man, underline, underline, exclamation point. Yeah, he's the one, he's, he's real shiny. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, you did get it, right? Of course I got Mando, man. Do a deception check. <laughs>